2: Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there, and of course to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Morning, Glory, America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. You know what that means. That means Dwayne will be sitting in for me tomorrow. That's what that means. That means the Browns, the Cleveland Browns, are on Monday Night Football tonight against the dreaded Steelers, and they got to go play in Pittsburgh. Last time I recall a Pittsburgh game, the Steelers snapped the ball over the head of Terry, not Terry, Big Ben Roethlisberger at the start of the playoff game. Done. That's all I remember about Pittsburgh. But tonight I will be screaming from eight fifteen East Coast time until probably midnight. I don't know how long the games go with the new new rules, but but whatever. Dwayne's going to come in and talk to you about the Browns win tomorrow, and then I'll be back on Wednesday. The real reason for that is that we have friends in town that we haven't seen in a couple of years, and we're going to go show them uh, down east. So I'm going to be down east after I'm uh, up late watching the Browns. So tomorrow morning, if anything bad happens, it's Dwayne's fault. I want to begin today with a horrible story, and it's every parent's nightmare. If you got little kids in the car, you may may not want them to hear this because it's just every parent's worst nightmare. It's a, it's a small story, right? With terrible tragedy, involves four children. A baby died after ingesting fentanyl at a New York day school, uh, preschool nursery. Uh, three other children from the Divino Nino daycare were hospitalized and treated for opioid. Now, two adults have been arrested for reckless indifference. Um, and two are charged with murder for the death of the one-year-old. And obviously, you realize fentanyl is so highly concentrated that trace amounts can and do kill people all the time. And it sounds like they had a little drug operation running out of the daycare. So it's every parent's nightmare. So the the only thing I can tell you is this is this is the fault of the open border. Ninety percent of fentanyl come in through ports of entry. Now, the precursor chemicals are made in China. They're sent to Mexico. They're primarily manufactured. The overwhelming amount is manufactured in Sino Sinala. I can never say it. There's a particular province, Sinala province in Mexico. And then it gets driven across the border and hidden in human trafficking. It's just not, this is not high tech. It's so small and so expensive. And they, if you saw the movie, The Mule with Clint Eastwood, you will understand. Until and unless we close the border. And I mean secure the border and come up with the technology. Americans will die, including innocent Americans, because it's not just any other drug. It's a killer drug, and it's flooding the country because the border is open. And I think we all know that. It's like the giant Jaws issue of this election is everybody knows that Biden has failed. The president of Biden has utterly failed. Kamala Harris is allegedly in charge. They just don't care. It's not, I don't believe in the great, but replacement theory or anything like that. That's nonsense. I do believe that they don't care. They really do not care. They don't want to deal with their constituent groups that are vocal advocates for an open border. So they have adopted an open border policy de facto while wringing their hands. And that's just the reality is. Meanwhile, Slow Joe is going to make a big announcement that he's going to call on the United Nations to expand the Security Council. Isn't that what you went to bed on, on Friday night worried about after the market had a bad day? And after well, let me do the market report here to set this up. I got a lot of tape of former President Trump talking to Kristen Walker, Fine debut of Kristen Welker on Meet the Press yesterday. And she and the former president had a great conversation. Now, I want you to know, last Tuesday, he talked to me for an hour and 10 minutes. Then he talked to Dan Mangino for an hour. Then he did an hour with Kristen. What does that tell you about the former president? He's gone into campaign mode and he's doing it by flooding the zone. And he has the confidence to go along with anyone. Uh, so Kristen is, is, uh, I believe a very, very fair down the middle objective journalist. She's shown that. Uh, and I believe Dan Bongino is to my right, but he's an advocate for Republican principles as I am. So Dan is, is to my right and I'm in the middle. And so that's three hours. How many of the other candidates have you seen do three hours on the record transcribed interview last week? Doesn't happen. The only way to beat Donald Trump, if you really want to beat Donald Trump, is to go everywhere all the time and be making talk to everyone because it all gets picked up and recirculated. I'll play a lot of clips today. The grand old pod today, I'll put them all together in one place. So you can go just listen to the grand old pod. If you want to hear all of the key clips from Donald Trump with Christian Walker or Ron DeSantis with Howie Kurtz and Vivek and Nikki Haley and Mike Pence. I don't think Chris Christie was out on the Sunday shows. I did see the fetching. Mrs. Hugh and I were watching during hurricane day. Um, only Murders in the Building Season 3. Hurricane Day, by the way, was like a blustery day, the, the Winnie the Pooh blustery day. It was really blustery, but it went just a little bit to our just a bit outside. So everyone who got their boats out, Harbor Mastery, Hugh did all that work for nothing, but I greatly appreciate Captain Tony and Brian the Banker helping me help everybody else get everything out of the water. And didn't say, now, most of northern Maine is, I mean, the way north, the, the county, is out of power. And Canada got whacked bad, but it didn't hit Portland. It did not hit Midcoast, which is, of course, north of Portland for you Steelers fans. Boy, the Steelers fans are very excited. Who's going to get them to the stadium? I always ask myself. Anyway.
3: You needed one-tenth of a point.
4: One-tenth one of, of a point? I needed a very to win? I think somebody said 22,000 votes. To win? Yeah. If you divided among the states, it was 22,000 votes, something to, to that effect. Yeah. To win the election? Yeah. If I would have had another 22,000 votes over the whole... But look, they rigged is, the election. If you look at Pennsylvania, if you you're look saying at all the votes to win the election, are you acknowledging you didn't you win? If you look at if you look at all of the statistics, all of the votes, they say 22000 votes over millions and millions of votes, 22000 votes. So when they do Twitter files or when they have 51 intelligence agents come out and lie that the laptop from hell was russia disinformation and now they find out it's not but they knew that at the time uh, they cheated on the election I, in that
3: way too i just want to be clear though are you saying you needed those votes in order to win are you acknowledging you didn't
4: win i'm not not acknowledging no i say i won the election he he, uh,
2: he has never said other than that but i think what Kristen was asking are you withdrawing the fraud claims as opposed to the rig claims but She continued on talking about vice presidents. Now, I asked about vice presidents, too. And she has a specific. Christian did a very good job on this. They're up at Bedminster. Cut number two.
4: I like not to think too much about that. Uh, You always do a little bit. But I I really don't think it's time. I want to win. And, uh, you know, it's very interesting about running mates. uh, When you get down to a vice president, they said nobody's ever made that kind of a difference. It's still about... The person that's going to be president I are you it's an leaning, important decision are you leaning toward a woman i like the concept but mm. we're going to pick the best person but a i lo- do like the concept yes
3: a lot of people noticed when governor Nome endorsed you there were trump Gnome signs do you have her your eye on her
4: i do i think she's fantastic she's been a great governor she gave me a very uh full-throated endorsement, a beautiful endorsement, actually. And, uh, you know, it's been a very good state for me. And uh, certainly she'd be one of the people I'd consider or for something else, maybe. But we have a lot of people. We have a, a lot of great people in the Republican Party.
2: Uh, and then so he's not going to get drawn into that right now. I, I am personally of the opinion he ought to pick I if he doesn't pick Scott or Nikki Haley and he's the nominee, he ought to pick Senator Tom Cotton or Congressman Mike Gallagher. Generational shift. Uh, They are combat veterans of the war in Iraq. They are articulate. They can go everywhere. And mostly what a vice president does is attack, 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 attack. I am not a believer that, you know, you put a woman like Jareding Fernaro on a ticket, it's not going to help a ticket that can't win. It's not going to uh, bring you anything except maybe one state if you nominate someone. I also believe Ambassador Robert O'Brien would be a great selection for him because as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a motivator for voters in Nevada and Arizona two big swing states where the LDS vote matters a great deal but I also think you could go with uh, Mike Pompeo if you want someone who just absolutely steely can defend everything that was done in Afghanistan everything that was done with the Abraham Accords and you want to talk about that every day and take it to the Democratic incoherence on foreign policy but I don't think Christy Noam brings anything to the ticket I, I like the the governor she's wonderful. But seriously, we're going to carry South Dakota anyway, and I'm not sure she's the national security chops you want in a national security election that's coming up. Donald Trump took out after the idea that you need eight years. Ron DeSantis likes to say as he campaigns, and it's clear here that Donald Trump is aiming at Ron DeSantis and vice versa. Uh, Donald Trump says you don't need eight years. Cut number three.
4: No just saying so when DeSantis says that, that means he's not your man. He's not your man anyway, because he's a very untalented guy, and he's proven that. He started out, everybody was talking to him. After I worked him over a little bit, he's gone down the tubes. I don't think he's going to end up being number three or four. He just had a poll today. He was number four. And by the way, the one that was number two was 59 points behind. So, you know, it's very interesting. But when somebody says eight years, we need eight years— no. In six months to a year, many of the problems, almost all of the problems that you and I have just spoken about will be solved. Anybody that says they need eight years, you don't want that person.
2: That, that's basically another shot at Ron DeSantis. Now, he he gets into a conversation about lawyers. And again, Kristen did a fine job because she wasn't doing the, city, the silly fact check, fact check, fact check. Again, you let... The former president talk, other people can figure out what to do. But she wants to talk to them about lawyers and lawyers advice. Cut Number four.
4: Because I didn't respect them. Uh, You'd hire lawyers, them. Sure, but that doesn't mean, you know, you hire them, you never met these people, you get a recommendation, they turn out to be rhinos or they turn out to be not so good. In many cases, I didn't respect them. But I did respect others. I respected many others I, that, that said the election was rigged. You
3: called some of your outside lawyers. You said they had crazy theories. Why were you listening to them? Were you listening to them because they were telling you what you wanted
4: to hear? You know who I listened to myself? I saw what happened. I watched that election and I thought the election was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. You were listening to your instincts. My instincts are a big part of it. That's been the thing that's gotten me to where I am, my instincts. But I also listen to people. There are many lawyers. I could give you many books. Uh, I, there are books that are written on how the election was rigged. There are numerous books that were written on how the election was. Just rigged. to
3: be clear, were you listening to your lawyer's advice, or were you listening to your own instincts?
4: I was listening to different people, and when I added it all up, the election was rigged. There are books were you that are written. Shots, though. In fact, Molly Hemingway wrote a great book. But were you called calling rigged. the shots ultimately? Excuse me, Molly Hemingway mm-hmm. was highly respected and great. She wrote a, a book, a, a best-selling book called "Rigged." Were you calling the shots,
3: though, Mr. President, ultimately
4: Uh, as to whether or not I believed it was rigged? Oh, sure. It was my decision. But I listened to some people. Some people said that Um, like guys like Bill Barr. He was a stiff, but he wasn't there at the time. But he he didn't do his job because he was afraid. You know what he was afraid of? He was afraid of being impeached. He was petrified to be impeached. And he's how do you not get impeached? Don't do anything.
2: Cut number six, where Donald Trump talks with Christian Welker about Nancy Pelosi and whether or not he or she failed the country on January 6th to secure the Capitol grounds. Cut number six.
4: I'm not going to tell you anything. Let me put it this way. I behaved so well. I did such a good job. Nancy Pelosi turned down 10,000 soldiers if she didn't do that. But and now Nancy I, understand, Pelosi doesn't have I, the authority I understand that, that you have commander chief though. Listen to me, Kristen, listen to me. I understand that the police testified against her, the chief very strongly against mm-hmm. her, Capitol police, great people. They testified against her, and they burned all the evidence. Okay, they burned all the evidence. Mr. They destroyed all the evidence about Nancy Pelosi. What do you say to people who wonder why you you as commander in chief you have
3: authorities that Nancy Pelosi doesn't have as no, commander no, She In-Chief. has
4: authority over Why the didn't Capitol. you send
3: help in that moment
4: though? Uh, frankly, just so you understand, I assumed that she took care of it. She turned down. So when you realized that that the National Guard wasn't coming? Well, you didn't you don't realize happen? anything until quite a while. National Guard not coming. I yes, I asked it to be there three days in advance, and she turned it down. She says that that request was never officially made. Oh, just stop Just so it. you know. Let, let, let me, me just tell you. Let me ask you the about D- the me Mr. President. President. The mayor of D.C. gave us a letter saying that she turns it down. Okay, we have it. Nancy Pelosi also was asked, and she turned it down. The police commissioner of about Capitol the day Police. Of that. Wait a minute. Yeah. Capitol Police said that he wanted it and Nancy Pelosi wouldn't accept it. She's responsible for January Let's, 6th. Mr. President, Nancy Pelosi's responsible. Mr. President, you the president, though. You have, you have
2: authorities. That- okay, and then they continue talking about whether or not the president, former president, is in legal peril and whether he's going to go and be confined, whether that means jail or... I mean, We don't know what that would mean if he were convicted. I don't know what to do with the former president with Secret Service coverage. Cut number seven.
4: I don't even think about it. I'm built a little differently, I guess, because I have had people come up to me and say, how do you do it, sir? How do you do it? Uh, I don't even think about it. Uh, These are corrupt people that I'm dealing with. They're destroying our country. I don't even think about it. All I think about is making the country great, making America great. Look, these are political. These are banana republic indictments. These are third world indictments. The president of the United States sees how we're doing. We have a movement, the likes of which has never happened in this country before. And you see it with the polls. I mean, I'm up on these people by 60 points and 59 points. I don't mean I'm at 59. I'm leading them by 59. You almost say, like, why are they campaigning? Asa Hutchinson, he's at zero. Christie's at two. Other ones are at one. Uh DeSanctimonious is at nine. I just see a poll coming. I mean, I'm leading him by... 60 points. Mr. President. And you say, why are they doing it? But here's what they did. They saw this happening. And he went to the Attorney General of the United States and he told them, indict Trump. There's just no evidence of that,
2: Mr. President. Okay, the the next thing I want to play for you is the former president and I have talked a couple of times about if he is reelected, will he use the Oval Office for revenge tour? First time he said, I'm entitled to a revenge tour, but I'm not going to take it. Second time he said, I'm going to look, I'm going to get answers. I'm going to go for the truth. But nothing explicit. Christian Welker brings up this idea of retribution from the Oval as well. Cut number
4: eight. When I talk about retribution, I'm talking about fairness. We have to treat people fairly. These people on January 6th. They went. Some of them never even went into the building, and they're being given sentences of, you know, many years. Are you going to pardon those people happening? who've been convicted, well, I mean, Mr. Look President? At them, and I certainly might if I think it's appropriate. Uh, no, it's a very, very sad thing, and it's they're dividing the country so badly, and it's very dangerous.
3: Well, Mr. President, we're going to delve into that a little bit later on, but I want to stay on this idea of what you mean by retribution. Are you looking to appoint an attorney general who will prosecute? The people you tell them to prosecute. I'm
4: looking to appoint an attorney general who's going to be tough on crime and fair.
2: That's a good, better answer than I'm entitled to revenge tour. He's getting very, very good at this. He knows he's got to answer that a 100,000 times. Donald Trump had one controversial political statement about abortion that will become and already is a centerpiece of a volley back from Team DeSantis cut number nine.
4: Of I think, you they'll, stand I on think they're defense. all going to like me. I think both sides are going to like me. Let, let me What's let going Mr. to have to happen is you're going to have to... Kristen, you're asking me a question. What's going to happen is you're going to come up with a number of weeks or months. You're going to come up with a number that's going to make people happy. Because 92% of the Democrats don't want to see abortion after a certain period of time.
3: If a federal ban landed on your desk, if you were reelected, would you
4: sign it at 15? Are you weeks? talking about a complete ban? A ban at 15 people, weeks. Well, people, people are Starting to think of 15 weeks, that seems to be a number that people are talking about right now. Would you sign that? Uh, uh, I would I would sit down with both sides and I'd negotiate something and we'll end up with peace in that issue for the first time in 52 years. Uh, I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't. I mean, DeSantis w- is willing to sign a five-week and six-week ban. Do you support that? You think I, that I think what he far? did is a terrible thing and a terrible mistake. That is controversial.
2: to talk about that throughout the show today. Stay tuned. I'm Hugh Hewitt from Studio North. (laughs) Tonight, America, the Cleveland Browns return to Pittsburgh and will thump the Steelers. My guest Selena Zito has a dad who may or may not be watching. Has he gone back to watching Selena?
6: He has. I haven't.
2: I know you haven't. I, I know you have it. haven't. But but you know, look, small hands. Kenny Pickett is your is your quarterback, and we've got my. I feel bad for him because if you lost your Cam guy in the middle of the defense, I mean, it's not going to be very fair today. Are people already gloomy in Pittsburgh?
6: <laughs> I don't know. They you know, Pittsburgh has a ridiculous relationship with its sports teams in that. If they all left town, nobody would have any clothes left because everyone just walks around with some mm-hmm. sort of uh, black and gold shirt on. Mostly sealers you know, the-
2: the Browns fans and the Steelers fans are kind of like Siamese sports twins, and they were cut, they were separated at birth, but boy, are they just next to each other. they were conjoined in their attitude and their approach. Selena, I want to ask you about something former President Trump said to Christian Welker yesterday in a very good interview that she did for Meet the Press, and she's going to be a fine host. He said about abortion that Governor DeSantis made a big mistake with the six-week ban. Bob Vanderplant's. The, the, the interview hadn't aired before you know him from Iowa was out there blasting the former president for this. How potent is the right to life issue? And does that division matter between Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump?
6: Well, it certainly does in the first primary state slash caucus state of Iowa. Uh, this is a big deal in that state. Um, all republic, you know, they always say, you know, the Republican caucus um Voters, well, Republican caucus voters in Iowa are almost a hundred percent evangelical voters. This is a very important issue to them, and this is why I'm very cautious about believing that he has the ability to win Iowa in in the upcoming caucus. This will this will further their skepticism of him. Now now Trump is not wrong. In that, in that same interview, he, where he said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here that Republicans don't know how to talk about abortion. That is very true. Uh, but, but, you know, in terms of going after DeSantis on this issue in a state where DeSantis is doing what you're supposed to do when you're a Republican primary candidate and knocking on doors and just, you know, sort of flooding the zone in that state,
2: this is going to have an impact. Now, Selena, I know that you are like me. You live in Switzerland and you watch everything. So as I see what is going on, I expect basically the Republicans, not named Trump or Vivek, to recede in Iowa and concede the state to Ron DeSantis to try and wound Trump there and then I don't see DeSantis in New Hampshire. I went down and saw Chris Christie last week. I went down and saw Nikki Haley last month. I'll go back down and see Tim Scott whenever he's anywhere in New Hampshire because I cover the state. Do you think they'll be able to make an agreement on who gets New Hampshire? I don't think they can. I think Nikki Haley needs New Hampshire. I think Chris Christie needs New Hampshire, which means Donald Trump wins. I,
6: I'm not sure Donald Trump wins New Hampshire. I think there is a possibility That we go into South Carolina with uh, someone winning Iowa and someone else winning New Hampshire. And all of a sudden, South Carolina, like it was in 2012, if you remember that, then uh, Newt Gingrich rose up and won that state. I I, you know, that doesn't mean that Donald Trump won't be the eventual nominee, but I think there's there is going to be a lot of waves in this race that we aren't quite seeing right now.
2: You know what? I don't think anyone else is saying because I get uh, Roku in in mid coast, Maine. I get the Portland and New Hampshire ads. Chris Christie is running ads on the Hulu channel, I only watch Only Murders in the Building. I, I mean, four times we saw Chris talking to people on a Hulu ad, first ad of 2024 cycle. Have you seen any yet?
6: Um, I have not seen them other than to go and look for them. However, in New Hampshire, you this is a state that is going to end up surprising everyone. Uh, I think Christy has a chance there. I think Nikki Haley has a chance there. I, I don't discount Ron DeSantis there. Uh, and I think we'll keep an eye on Governor Sununu and see how you see, listen to the words he is using about what's important in the state. That gives you clues as to where the voters may be going.
2: Well, the, the New Hampshire electorate, boy, do I like going to town halls down there. It's the first time I've ever done this. Yeah. I've been in New Hampshire before. They are very smart people. They are also kind of cynical about candidates. <laughs> you know, yeah, be the, nice, they, they, just, they expect, they want to,
6: um, they want to kick tires. They expect so you they, to show up there and we're going to give it to you.
2: And they do. Boy, do they do. Selena Zito, thank you, my friend. All of her columns are collected at selenazito.com. You can follow Selena on the site formerly known as Twitter at (laughs) ZitoSelina.com. But if you want everything that she writes for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the New York Post, the Washington Examiner, and everywhere else, go to selenazito.com. And just sign up and get the email. It's the easiest way to do it. Don't go anywhere, America. Lots more coming up. Rhonda Sanders did a half hour with Howard Kurtz yesterday. i got to play that as well. I want to play everyone who talks. Every, cause we're Switzerland here. Every Republican is welcome all the time. Right here on The You Do It Show. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. I am joined by Ambassador Robert O'Brien, former National Security Advisor to former President Trump, also the Special Envoy on Hostage Affairs for former President Trump, and his buddy Neil Arbach, who is the president of the Hudson Sustainable Group. They wrote a piece for Fox Business last week on energy, which I'm going to come to. But when we set this up, I did it originally to ask about hostages. And then in the interim, Mitt Romney announced he's not running for Senate. Robert O'Brien, your name is everywhere in connection with the Romney vacancy. I have not spoken with you about that on air since it came out. Question, are you going to run for Senate in Utah?
7: Well, listen, Hugh, thank you for having me and Neil on. Uh, I'm very humbled by the support from both in Utah and nationally for uh, for me to to run for this seat. And it's a special seat. It would be great to work with our senior Senator Mike Lee, a uh, constitutional scholar and friend, and and that seat was held by Orrin Hatch for almost 50 years, and I, I knew Orrin Hatch since the 1984 Republican Convention in Dallas. And I was a young man, as a page at that convention, and got to know Senator Hatch, and, and had the opportunity to come speak when I was National Security Advisor in Salt Lake at his uh, foundation, and, and then held by Governor Romney, the, the GOP standard bearer in 2012. So be considered for that seat and have people urge me to run for it is uh, very humbling and, and I'm honored, but Wilmer and I have taken the uh, the times since Senator Romney retired or announced his retirement to, to prayerfully consider it. And we just, we're, we're new to Utah. We don't think it's the right time for a Senate race. And we want to focus on getting a Republican and hopefully President Trump elected in 2024 as, and take back the White House. So I'm going to pass on, on the, uh, the Senate race One of the great things about going to Utah, Hugh, is that there's a deep Republican bench, a lot of great um, state legislators, congressmen, former congressmen who could uh, run for that seat and would be a terrific senator, and, and I look forward to supporting one of them in the election.
2: You know, you had Congressman Michael Waltz, Armed Services, Congressman Mike Gallagher, Armed Services, Chairman of the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, and many other people in the national security. Jim Banks is going to be the next senator from Indiana. Said, O'Brien, oh, uh, history calls, you need to step up. So what do you tell them?
7: Well, look, I, I tell them thank you, first of all, for their friendship and for their support. And then, again, the, and to, just like neighbors and friends in Utah, I'm incredibly honored that they would... Uh, think that I could fill that seat and do a good job, uh, but I'm, I, what I'm going to tell them is I'm going to stay in the fight. I'm going to fight for a return to peace or strength policies for this country and an American first foreign policy, and just, just like I did when I was in office as of National Security Advisor, and uh, I'll, do, I'll do it from the sidelines, and, and uh, we'll, we'll stay in the fight, and you know, I'll, I'll support them and their work in Congress, are three great congressmen that, you
2: know, So, okay, that's a hard no. Let me ask you about Jason Chaffetz. I have not talked to Jason. I haven't texted him. Is he going to run for this seat?
7: Well, I think Jason's preference was to run for governor of Utah after Spencer Cox finished his second term in 2028. But there are a lot of people who want Jason to to leave his Fox perch. And I know everyone likes watching him on on Fox. But I think there are a lot of people in Utah and around the country that would love to see Jason Chaffetz as our next senator. I have urged him to run and and urge him to do so now on the air. And uh, I'm going to hold off and endorse anyone in the race until we find out if Jason's going to get it or not. But I think he'd be a terrific, U.S. Senator from Utah.
2: All right. I'm with you on that. So Jason run now, Neil, I'm going to come to you and I'll go back to O'Brien about hostages in a second, the ambassador and I, but I want to ask you, Neil, how did you get mobbed up with O'Brien? I mean, that's a very unfortunate turn of events for you to get to the Hudson sustainable group and marry your fortunes to Robert O'Brien. I know I'm still
1: lamenting it, uh, but um, it's actually been a real pleasure working with him and his team. Uh, My firm has number of uh, issues from from time to time with clients and projects that involve national security matters, and uh, and he and his team are just uh, terrific advisors.
2: So the the op-ed has three ways that the GOP ought to talk about climate change and energy, and I think. Everyone needs to have this down. So uh, I'm going to ask you, Neil, first, then I'm going to go back to Robert about the hostage disaster. Tell us what the key three platform points are for every Republican running on energy and climate change. Absolutely. Well, just to
1: preface it for one second, um, what we do need is an America first approach to, to rising CO2 emissions. It's hard to deny that rising CO2 emissions is causing global warming. It's also, I think, easy to understand that there's a risk associated with rising CO2 emissions. And so the issue that the right has had is that, um, that the woke, the, the left in this country has used climate change as a, tro- as a Trojan horse for the woke agenda. And we need to separate out how to actually approach CO2 emissions, rising CO2 emissions in a responsible way from the agenda being pushed uh, by the left, which is largely anti-human. So we take a completely different approach, an America First approach. We agree that we should be promoting low carbon energy, but not just renewables, in which I've been focusing on for the past over 20 years, but also nuclear, um, and that's also a major part of our platform. Uh, there's nothing, if we're serious about uh, about lowering uh, rising CO2 emissions, then nuclear is a very clear imperative for this country and for, and for the world. Uh, so number two, uh, I'm sorry, number one, promote low carbon energy. Number two, uh, right now, rare earth minerals are essential part of the low carbon economy that's used in many industries. Um, we process over 90% of rare earth minerals in China. We need to do that in the U.S. Uh, it's very similar to what we did in the CHIPS Act by making sure that we have semiconductor independence. We also need rare earth independence we need to manufacture and we need to mine and manufacture rare earth minerals in the u.s and the third thing that's really important and i think the left gets this wrong we do not have a climate crisis that the world just we don't have an extinction level event we have a problem that we need to address fossil fuels are here to stay it is foolish to think that fossil fuels are going to be eliminated there are hundreds of trillions of dollars of wealth Tied up in fossil fuels, it is all over our economy. But we can extract it, and 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 uh, and 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 distribute it in a much cleaner way. And so we need to uh, to basically clean up fossil fuel extraction.
2: Good so three points. Three I possible. wish every candidate memorized those. We'll come back. to That Ambassador O'Brien. I uh, already made a little news. You're not running for Senate. You served as the president's special envoy for hostage affairs. You also served as national security advisor. I asked the former president last week, would he have trouble staffing his administration if he was reelected? He said, absolutely not. Would you go back in, Robert, either as a vice president, a secretary of state, a secretary of defense, an attorney general, a secretary of the energy? Big, big jobs. But would you go back?
7: Well, look, we had a great run while I was in, and I've got no ambition to go back. But I was taught by my dad, who was a Marine Corps officer growing up, that when the president asked you to do something, you salute and say, yes, sir. And so the president asked you to come back to one of those positions. Uh, it's a sacrifice for your family, if you know Hugh. but uh, you salute and say yes, because this, America is the greatest country in the world. It gave me tremendous opportunities, and I, I would certainly serve if fast as the president to return.
2: Uh, have you talked to him about there, it there,
7: yet? There are, a lot of, there are a lot of great people that would staff the Trump administration, people like John Radcliffe and Rick Grinnell and Larry Kudlow and Bob Whiteheiser. So there, there are a lot of really phenomenal people that would go back to the Trump administration. The idea that he wouldn't have a top team is, is ridiculous.
2: There are a lot of people. My computer is going off here in the background. It's the wonderful Larry Kudlow, but I still got to silence him. Uh, uh, Mr. Ambassador, have you talked with the former president about an uh, an administration after an election? Not not about the election, but about how to put it together yet?
7: You know, I, I haven't, but uh, uh, the president knows who his, his key team is, and I, I'm sure he'll. He'll make the phone calls and bring in great, great people if, he, if he's reelected, which I think is now looking more and more likely.
2: Okay, on the hostages, would you have recommended the president make the deal that Joe Biden made?
7: Well, first of all, let me tell you, I'm happy that the hostages are coming home. and Some of those were held while I was there, and I, I, did, I didn't get them home. I failed that uh, task, and I, I, I wish they were home. We, we did get hostages home from Iran. We did it without paying uh, ransom, and I think it's much better to— not pay ransom because there's for two reasons Hugh, first when you pay ransom especially when you pay a billion dollars for hostage you create a market and you encourage further hostage taking and so the Iranians the Russians the the Chinese terrorist organizations are going to see that and think hey I want to make a quick billion I'll just take an American hostage so you transfer the pain and suffering that the families themselves of the current hostages are going through to future hostages And that's a bad policy. And that's why we never paid ransom. President Trump would have never paid ransom. But number two, you have to say, what is the bad actor going to do with the money that they get? And in Iran's case, it's the largest state sponsor of terrorism in the world. They're going to use it for more death. They're going to build more drones to kill Ukrainians. They're going to pay terrorists to kill Israelis. They're going to give money to Hezbollah in in Lebanon and Khatib, Hezbollah in Iraq and kill our partners and allies in those countries. And they're going to continue, continue to fund the Houthis in Yemen and and uh, kill soldiers from the UAE and, and Saudi who are our partners. So the two questions are, do you create more hostages, hostage-taking opportunities? And the answer with this deal is yes. And do you, do you cause more people to die? And the answer here is unfortunately yes as well. So this is a very bad deal. President Trump would have never done it. I would have never done it. But uh, having said that, I am happy that Murat Tabaz and, and Simak Namazi are coming home after many years of being held hostage by Iran. But, and I'm happy for their families, but very bad deal for America and very bad deal for future hostages.
2: Now, Neil, I want to go back to you on nuclear. Uh, on October 11th in Pikedon, Ohio, the first nuclear uranium enrichment plant to begin production in the United States since 1954 is going to open, October 11th. So we're, people are starting to wake up. But have they even gotten close to figuring out how much nuclear energy we need if we're going to actually go to EVs?
1: Um, I don't think so. I think that, um, that part of the problem that we have is a recognition that, uh, that humans create an environmental footprint. We, we create waste. We are waste machines. And the question is, what is more important? Do we want to deal with, uh, with the nuclear uh, waste cycle or do we want to deal with rising CO2 emissions? Um, We're at a point here where we can actually produce nuclear energy safer than ever before. Um, And so we do need more nuclear energy. Um, If, again, I think markets need to make these these decisions, not individuals, not policymakers. Uh, But if we were able to fast track permitting for more nuclear plants, there would be a lot more nuclear Plants in the United States, then we would see lower, lower carbon energy in the United States as well. That's clear. Uh,
2: and Robert, 30 seconds. Brulee, Perry, great Secretaries of Energy, you guys moved it forward. Are you glad to see a high-enriched uranium plant finally opening in the United States?
7: Absolutely. Look, one of the reasons that France wasn't at, at uh, uh, Russia's, uh, you know, subject to Russia's leverage and blackmail is because France has nuclear power and they didn't have to rely on the, the Russian, dirty Russian energy. And if we, if we had nuclear power like France, we'd be more independent, we'd be safer, and, and the environment would be cleaner.
2: Robert O'Brien, Neil Arbach, thank you. Great piece on energy independence. I hope all the Republican candidates, and I'm sorry to hear that, Robert, but we made a little news. Robert O'Brien is not running for Senate in Utah like me. He's now going to support Jason Chaffetz doing that. So Jason, where are you? We'll be right back.
5: What impacts you every day?
2: back, America, even now. Josh Kroshaw is wondering, why are we playing Barry Manilow? Josh, it's because he's going to break Elvis's consecutive performance record this week in Las Vegas. I know you're a secret Barry Manilow fan. Josh just made a little news on the program. Robert O'Brien saying he is not going to run for Senate in Utah. I am a little disappointed by that. I saw Walton and Gallagher and a bunch of people pile on pushing him. Jim Banks, are you surprised?
8: a little you know he would have been a very strong candidate as someone with the national security experience and 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 utah republicans are a very pragmatic bunch and they value experience that's why romney won the nomination back in 2018 Uh, i think you'll have a lot of uh, qualified candidates the former speaker of the house is one of the the leaders right now in the in the pack but i imagine a lot of folks are going to get in and you, you know the one thing about the utah republican party is it is um it, it is more that there's a very sizable group of Republicans that are much more in Mitt Romney's vision of the party as, as Donald Trump's. So it'll be a real fight. Um you know, Jason say, Chaffetz yeah,
2: would own. clear the field. Jason Chaffetz would clear the field and he would win. And I guess my guess is that um, Steve Daines has got him on the phone right now. Do you think he'll get in? I mean, that's a nice gig over at Fox, but he'd be senator for the next 40 years if he wanted to.
8: Yeah, look, I, I, it's got to be a possibility. Anyone who has the opportunity to, to 1% it and have a you know a good good profile in that race is, is going to probably look at it carefully. But, you know, I do think that uh, former Congressman Chaffetz is, is pretty happy at Fox, and I think it would take a lot for him to, to jump in that race.
2: How did you assess Kristen Welker's interview with former President Trump yesterday?
8: I thought it was a good interview, and I, I think whenever you get the left and the right Upset about about various elements of the interview, it usually signals that you're asking the tough questions and you're asking the relevant questions. And I thought he made a whole lot of news on abortion. I mean, like look, that's going to be a big issue in if there if there is a substance centered element of this Republican nomination fight, it's going to be over abortion. And Trump clearly sees the issue as a problem in a general election for for him and for Republicans. And he's trying to get ahead of that. Uh, but he's still has to win over Iowa voters in a caucus. He still has to win over socially conservative voters across many, many primaries. So that's going to be an issue I think that's going to come up at the next debate. Uh, Trump is trying to take yeah. a very pragmatic position on abortion, but I don't know if that's going to fly with some. some Josh, you know, I,
2: I'm, I have a strong view on this in that everyone on the stage has been asked and have answered the abortion question. If it's genuinely to serve Republican primary voters, there's no reason to bring it up again when we still haven't covered China, inflation, the border, COVID, all these different things. I just don't think abortion asked and answered. Do we have to do it every debate? Is that what you think? Well,
8: look, there there is a divide uh, politically on (laughs) whether there should be a federal legislation on on, on abortion, right, on 15 weeks, on on, on a stricter abortion policy, which Mike Pence, uh, Tim Scott support, but, but Nikki Haley is. Push back on, and a few others as well, uh, and and also look. I, this is a this is an issue that's very important to Iowa conservative voters. That, that is socialist. So, the so the having a a, a firm pro life position and having the you know a, a, an unequivocal position in many ways, taking the more conservative line on the subject, has always been a top issue for Iowa uh, caucus goers. So look, Trump has I think has changed the dynamic. Uh, the the issues don't matter quite as much as the personalities right now. But if there is an issue that does come up. In the Iowa caucuses, which is Ron DeSantis, that's his, that's his, he's putting, Ron DeSantis is putting all the chips on the table in Iowa. And I got to think that abortion is going to be one of the big issues he talks about going forward. I know, but
2: that, to this point, uh, this is a big meta issue. Everybody knows it's an issue. Everybody knows what each of the candidates think. What is the value in limited debate time of going there? And we spent a lot of time in the first debate on it. If the former president comes, maybe you ask him in that context. But again, if they're bringing it up at this debate on the 27th, it's to serve ratings, not Republican voters.
8: Well, look, I think it's important that on any issue, <laughs> even if it's already been talked. About. I mean, we, we, we saw that in, you know, in 2008 or, you know, in another another in Republican primaries, a lot of issues about national security. We asked it over and over again because there were differences uh, on, 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 on specific issues policy proposals at the time. So look, I, I don't think this is an issue that uh, is lacking political rele- relevancy. It's, it's going to be a big dividing line between the candidates uh, as we get closer to the caucus. It, well, it
2: is. It's just that we know what the answers are. I just I hate wasting time. I want to hear them talk about things that they've not talked about before. Josh, at this point, I think it's one on one DeSantis and and Trump in Iowa, But I don't think DeSantis is playing in New Hampshire. And because I'm in Maine, I get the Portland feed. Chris Christie's got ads up on Hulu already. I'm astonished.
8: Yeah. This is the problem for anyone not named Trump, which is that if if Ron DeSantis puts all his chips in Iowa and takes the most socially conservative position on abortion, that is not going to play well with New Hampshire voters, you know, a couple weeks later And what we've seen in the history of Republican nominating fights, where the Iowa winner doesn't always do well after Iowa. Um, I know. We'll see.
2: That music means Monday night football is starting, Josh. The Browns are on the night. Don't miss it. They're going to beat the Steelers. Dwayne is in for me tomorrow, America, but I'll be back on Wednesday on the next Hugh Hewitt show.